to Pendleton Center Church. We are the Chancel Choir. If you're new to our church, please pick up a welcome folder that's at the connection site or the welcome and information desk. We'd like to know you are here, so everyone, please put your name on the friendship card you'll find in the bulletin. If you would like to receive the church newsletter or need an update of any information, please be sure to fill out the address, email, and phone number. On the back, you can write prayer concerns, blessings, or notes to the staff. Please enjoy our service and have a blessed day. Good morning. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day. This is the day that the Lord has made. That the Lord has made. Let us rejoice. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And be glad in it. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day. This is the day that the Lord has made. Dear God in heaven, we just pray a special blessing would pour into this place, that your Holy Spirit would touch us, reach into our very lives, and move us to be closer to you. For we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to invite you, if you're able to stand, as we're going to sing together, All Hail the Power of Jesus' Name.
be with you. And also with you. Please be seated. I have a few things I'd like to share with you quickly. First of all, this Saturday, we are going to have our Easter family celebration with an egg hunt. So we hope that you're going to be able to join us for that. It's a great opportunity um, for the kids to learn about Jesus and just to have a really good time. In your bulletin is a friendship card. I want to do something different. I want you all to fill one out today just to freak out the other pastors who aren't here because you're all going to ask me, was so-and-so in church? Was so-and-so in church? I'm going to, I don't know. So just put your name on it. You don't even have to do anything else. Just write your name on the friendship card today and let's see how many of those we can get back in. That'll just kind of just to see what happens. I, I also would like to ask if you, uh, or mention to you that we have a couple of bulletins in the envelope. If you want to order Easter flowers, you can. But there's also a special one, which is to help with malaria. We, as the United Methodist Church, intend to wipe out malaria on the face of the earth. And we think that together we can do that.
There it is. Okay. There's no real switch. Other joys. Oh, wow. Look at that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> It's finally getting warm out, yes. Any joys in the back there? Any other joys? Oh, up there. Okay. Yes, ma'am. What? Five. Very good. Answered prayer. Answered prayer. Continue. People continuing to improve as they go through the healing process. Okay. Have I missed anybody? All right. If we would, remember God and all the goodness that we've heard about and God's glory and his, his work on this earth as people continue to improve in healing and feeling better and it's getting warm outside, we remember him and our tithes and offerings.
Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that we have the opportunity to bring forth the gifts. Now, Lord, we ask that you take these gifts, raise them up, bless them, multiply them, wipe out malaria so that people can know what it's like to be healthy and be in your name. And help us find others to come to know who you are. In your name we pray, amen. Most high and holy God, you know our needs before we even say them. But Lord, there's power in coming forth and speaking these needs before you. So we come at your feet and we say, Lord, we, we have issues. We have issues, Lord. They come and they go and we see it in other lives, but we need help. There's people who are facing the end of life. And it's time, it's time for people of faith to come around them and let them know that there's another home. There's a better place. And there's the people that are going to be remained behind, like at the Redeemer Lutheran Church, who are going to need guidance and going to need to know that they have friends and they have family and they have people that love them. <clears throat> and I would pray, Lord, that all your people here in the sanctuary right now would understand, understand how important they are, how important each and every one of them is for going out and touching another life and letting know that they're loved, that each of the people here can go love another and go find these people who are going through surgeries. They may need help. And find these people whose families are going to be missing someone soon and know that they're being thought of. But the love that can be promoted from all the people in this church is just huge, just amazing. So Lord, we, we know, we know that there will come a time when illness will end, when you come again and create the new kingdom. But until then, we need you to touch our lives. Help us to love others, especially when we're not sick and they are. And help us to be strong even when we're sick, to still love others and promote your kingdom. In your name I pray. And I also pray, Lord, that you would be on Pastor Tom as he brings the message. Anoint his voice, that it would speak your words. In your name I pray. Amen. Good morning. Today's scripture lesson is from John chapter 12, verses 1 through 11. Six days before Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected, why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, 
but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came, not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well, for on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and believing in him. This is the word of the Lord. studying the life of Jesus since before Christmas. And through this entire time as we look at the life of Jesus, the people are seeing a great teacher, one that can do miracles and, and, and demonstrate the power of God. They see him as an itinerant preacher, even a prophet, a healer. But now everything's going to shift. This passage actually happens the day before Palm Sunday, next Saturday. On the eve of Jesus going into Jerusalem, the people are preparing for a miracle-working king. Imagine a man that can lead the soldiers into battle, and if one of them gets wounded, he can heal them. If the troops get hungry, he can take a couple loaves of bread and feed everybody. They are going to conquer the Romans, and they are going to rule the world. And they have hitched their lives and their hopes to Jesus, the miracle-working preacher from Nazareth. But now Jesus is going to shift everything. Instead of being about his teaching, instead of being about his miracles, instead of being about all the things that everybody will celebrate on Palm Sunday, it's all now about him. Everything's about Jesus. So on the on the eve of his triumphal entry into Jerusalem, Martha and Mary and their brother Lazarus threw a party. Now, some of you remember the story from Luke of Martha and Mary. It's a story that troubles a number of people. You see, Martha and Mary were were hosting Jesus at their house, and Martha was busy making lunch. She was getting stuff together and setting the table and doing all the cooking and the work, and and Mary was sitting there at Jesus' feet just listening to what he said. And so Martha, understandably, like all of us would do, came over to Jesus and said, 
Jesus, it's not fair that my sister's just sitting there doing nothing. Tell her to help me. And Jesus said, quoting the Brady Bunch, Martha, Martha, Martha. You're troubled and worried about so many things when only one thing really matters, and Mary has chosen what matters, and it won't be taken from her. So here we are at their home, and they're having a big banquet again. And guess who's doing the serving? Martha. And everyone gathered. They said that, that their friends were there. Judas, and we know John is there, so we assume all the, the 12 apostles are there. I imagine there's a lot of other disciples gathered too. It says that crowds of Jews showed up. The Pharisees came. We even think there might have been some poor people that snuck into this banquet, which tells us Martha and Mary and Lazarus were rich. They were wealthy. This party might have been in a room the size of this sanctuary. This was huge, like a Friday night fish fry, with the whole world showing up. And they could afford to serve everybody. Mary comes into the room and goes to Jesus' feet, and she takes a jar of perfume, and she breaks it, not pours it, not sprinkles it, breaks it open on Jesus' feet and wipes it with, his, with her hair. Now, Judas was there, and, and he liked to keep the money bag, John tells us. And he looked at this and said, this is ridiculous. This perfume could have been sold for a year's wages. In other words, this is a bottle of perfume that's worth about $50,000. Now, I don't mind if my wife buys perfume. I don't even mind if she buys a very nice perfume. But a $50,000 bottle of perfume is off the charts. Who has such a thing? Don't raise your hand. Right? What an amazing thing. And Judas is saying, this is ridiculous. Do you know how many poor people we could have fed with this? And John says... He was just saying this because he kept the money and he wanted to take a little out for himself. And $50,000 would have made that easy. They were all there. All these different characters and looking for something special. Some kind of treasure. Matthew chapter 13 says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a person finds it, they hide it again, and then in their joy, they go out and sold all that they have, and they buy the field. What treasure in life are you seeking, are we seeking? There is an island in the North Atlantic where people have been looking for an incredible treasure for more than 200 years. So far, they have found bits of gold chain, a stone slab with strange symbols carved into it, even a 17th century Spanish coin. To date, six men have died trying to solve the mystery. And according to legend, one more will have to die before the treasure can be found. All right, come clean. How many of you have watched this, this goofy show? 
Oak Island. It's this weird thing. For some reason, it's hooked my wife and I in. And what it is, is they are spending millions and millions of dollars to find a treasure. That's probably not even worth as much money as they've spent trying to find it. But it's a treasure. And they'll find a little bit of this and a little bit of that and a piece of this and a bone here and a piece of... And everybody goes, could it be? What we will do for a treasure. Judas wanted money. He wanted a cash treasure. The Pharisees came there because they were jealous of Jesus and they wanted power. They wanted influence and they wanted respect. They didn't think it was fair that Jesus was getting all this. And Judas couldn't imagine that it was fair that Mary had enough money to buy a $50,000 bottle of perfume. And when we look at this story, Exodus chapter 20 comes to mind. Where it says, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. You shall not desire and be jealous and envious of what somebody else has. So the people of the valley sent a message up the hill asking for the buried treasure tons of gold for which they'd kill came an answer from the kingdom with our brothers we will share all the secrets of our mountain all the riches buried share we don't want to share it we want it all Judas wanted to sell that so that they could Give money to the poor. No, he wanted it in his pocket. Sometimes we can get things so mixed up. Jesus came into this world because people had mixed up the whole purpose of religion. They had mixed up the whole idea of faith, and they thought that it was about what they could get rather than about God anymore. You can get things really mixed up. There was a restaurant in Cheek to Walk. I hope none of you ever owned it. Um, because I'd drive by it, and I would see the sign for this, and it would say, Italian and Indian cuisine. Now, I like Italian food, and I like Indian food. But the thought of those two together, do you know what I'm trying to say? They just, they don't belong together. They shouldn't be together. Somebody had a great idea that was just wrong. And that's what happens in the scriptures, and in our lives. Judas says he's concerned about the poor, but he's actually using the poor as an excuse to help himself. The Pharisees talked about religion, but really what they wanted was the power they could get from religion, not the power of God. Jealousies and fears enough so that they would killed Jesus and Lazarus too because he was hanging around with them. Even though Exodus also says, thou shalt not kill. The crowd. They gathered because they saw what happened to Lazarus and he was raised from the dead and they remember that Jesus could make fish sandwiches out of nothing so they showed up to see what they could get. So often we think that our faith in God is about what we can get. We become 
Christian gimme pigs. Gimme, 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 God, gimme. And the disciples that are gathered here, it says in another passage, they just muttered along with Judas. Yeah, yeah, it's wrong. I agree, but I'm not saying anything. I'm not saying anything. Lazarus just wanted to be near Jesus and the poor. They probably just came to get something to eat. Indian Italian cuisine don't go together. Some things don't work. That restaurant went out of business. Probably people never went in to try it. They probably had wonderful food. They're just going to get past the sign. On the other hand, if you want a really great dinner, on Friday night, there's a fish fry <laughs> in Pendleton right here. Everybody wants to know, we served 643 last week, which was actually the lowest for the year, but higher than almost every dinner last year. So we, we did really good. Two more. Two more. It's a great fish fry. Somebody told me that, and I said, well, yeah, we've been working on it for 30 years. We've been working on making this the perfect, perfect experience. Because we want it to be the best. And we want our lives to be the best. But what Jesus is doing is he's shifting the entire conversation. Up until this point in time, they were looking for miracles. They were looking for, for what they could get from God. And Jesus is now changing everything. And saying it's about him. He is God. So he says to Judas, you know, you'll always have the poor, but you won't always have me. He's not saying the poor aren't to be cared for. In fact, he's saying you will always have opportunities to do things to bless other people. But our faith, our whole Christianity is not about how we can help people. We should wipe out malaria. We should feed the poor. We should give free meals out in Niagara Falls. We should do things to help other people. But the commandments go in a particular order on purpose. Jesus said the first commandment is this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then, love your neighbor. Not start in the wrong direction. And the problem is, is Judas gets it wrong, and so Jesus says, you're not going to have me long. And we want to be careful that we don't get it wrong either. Because at this point in time, it's going to go from what can we get out of Jesus to what are we giving to Jesus. Jesus inverted the great commandment for selfish greed. Use the poor people for his own benefit. And we have to be very careful when we approach God that really we're not just looking at what can we get out of it? What's in it for us? Because that's turning it all around. When you put the love of God in your heart, then you'll naturally want to help others. But if you start with yourself, even if you start with other people, somewhere it'll spin around in the wrong direction. They're looking for a treasure on Oak Island. It's an interesting show. They do all kinds of goofy things to find this treasure. But here's the truth. If they find the treasure, the show is over. Once they find the treasure, there's no point in watching it anymore. In fact, you know, I have to be very careful because when I go on the internet, once in a while, I'll put in Oak Island and it will say, treasure file. I don't want to read it. I don't want to know. You're going to ruin my show. It's like knowing the score of the game and not, you know, what's the point? 
The point is all about the real treasure, which is having God as part of our lives. Jesus chose this family for this important time in his ministry on purpose. So let's look at him. Lazarus was grateful. Grateful for the miracle that happened to him. And, and we need to show our thanksgiving. Not, not our desires for more, but, but to, to demonstrate to the world how much God has changed us. You want to know what will change other people to have a faith in God is when they see that God has done something amazing for you. We need to share the blessings, share the miracles, share the story, and proclaim God has already done great things for us, for me. People came to see Jesus because Lazarus was changed, and then they came to Jesus. And they'll do the same with us. Martha, 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 Martha. Here's the great part about this story. Martha is serving, but she seems to be happy. She's not complaining. She's not saying, Jesus, tell Mary to get off. You know, she's not doing that. Because Martha has discovered that she loves to serve. It's not a burden. She's not miserable about it. She actually likes to do it. I had some people at a fish fry one time, and they were just amazed. They were from another church, and they said, how do you get all these people to help at your fish fries? So I just grabbed one of the waitresses, not, not inappropriately, I just asked them to come <laughs> over and sit down. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm not going to go there. I asked one of the waitresses to come over and sit down. And I said, tell them why you work on the fish fries. And they said, because it's a blast. I love doing it. It's so much fun. And they scurried off back to what they were doing. Martha wasn't upset. She finally realized that what she does is what she does. And what somebody else does is something else. You know, there are lots of people, hundreds and hundreds of people in our church that never work on a fish fry. But they do all sorts of other things that the people that work on fish fries don't do. Do you you follow? That's okay. That's okay. Come and eat some fish. That would be a good thing. If you don't like fish, we have chicken fingers. (laughs) Martha learned to serve with joy and realized that that was her gift And when we start to realize that what we do for God is a blessing and a joy and a celebration and not some burden or or thing we don't like. In fact, if you're doing something you don't like for God, you're probably doing the wrong thing. You follow Martha found her place in life. And Jesus doesn't take it from her. Does anybody know why we do fish fries? Anybody want to guess? Some people think it's to make money. You know, our church, in our budget, we give away four times as much money as we make at the fish fries. So if we wanted to just have money, we would just stop giving money away. Do you follow? And that doesn't even count all those extra envelopes you put money in. We probably give away ten times what we make at the fish fries. And it is great to have more money to give away, but, but that's not why we do fish fries. We do fish fries because we've discovered that, first of all, people love to come together as a community, including the people of this church, to see each other and have a great time together. And that's a blessing from God. They had a banquet together. Jesus loved to go and eat. It's biblical for us to get together and eat. Praise the Lord. 
But it also is a place for the people to sneak in and take a look at us. Maybe some of you have done that. I know we have people that come to the fish fries, and they want to see if, whether, if we treat each other out there the way we talk about treating each other in here. Do you follow? If we act with one, one another with love, if we treat the people there with respect and kindness and graciousness, maybe they'll want to come and see why we were changed. Martha served with joy and with, with celebration, and, 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 and that's just a wonderful gift that she gave serving at the table. And then Mary, Mary of all the wonderful people. It says the story will be told about Mary till the end of the age. Mary came and chose what was the best in her life and gave it to what Jesus called the better choice. She saw that Jesus was going to die. And while she didn't fully understand it, she knew that she needed to give to Jesus. And so she brought what she valued the most. If you can imagine an expensive bottle of perfume worth, worth $50,000 that you use for the only the most special occasions, a little drop here, a little drop there, she poured it out on Jesus. Because sacrifice... Real sacrifice shows that we really love God. It's why we give our gifts to God. It's why we give our time to God. It's why we give our lives to God. Because at this point in the story, it shifts from what is there with God for us. What is there from us we can give to God. Where is your treasure? What do you treasure? Matthew says where your treasure is, there your heart is also. This is an expensive bottle of perfume. I would imagine some of you would like to have one of these, right? You know, and if you had one, what would you do with it? Come on, what would you do with it? Sell it! Of course you'd sell it! Are you kidding? I'm not keeping a $50,000 bottle of perfume. You ever watch those antique road shows or whatever, and, and they got some little toy, you know, that, that, that was made 100 years ago. And they're like, oh, well, that's worth some money. And then they say, well, I've got the box. You got the box? Oh, wow, that makes it worth $80,000. Sell it before somebody figures out this is crazy. Crazy. It's a little cardboard box. It's worth nothing. But you know why people think it's worth something? Because it's rare. Do you know why that perfume was worth so much back then? Because it was rare. But see, he, this shows how Jesus turns everything upside down. Because the reason things are rare in this world is because God knows we don't need very much of it. Do you follow? God didn't see any value in their perfume. See, so they make very much. What do we need with the whole mountains and gallons of perfume? We don't need that. People that use gallons of perfume, we all go, oh, another story. Right? Just need little bits of it. So God makes great abundance of the things that really matter. You know what God would have thought would be worth more would be, would be a pitcher of water. That's why he makes, makes oceans of it, because we need lots of water to live. The whole world needs water to live. We don't need perfume. See how our values are all turned upside down? Because, because we're, we're looking for something 
that our world has taught us is a treasure. But it really isn't. She breaks it home and uses it open and uses it on Jesus. And Judas says, this shouldn't be used on you. This should be set aside for some rich person. Because God doesn't deserve what rich people get, right? You know, I was talking the other uh, day with somebody about the Basilica in Lackawanna. We went there with the teenagers. And people will say to me, you know, those beautiful, gorgeous churches, that money's wasted. It should have been spent on the poor. I do understand. We try to have a nice church, but we want to spend our money in ministry. But, but i got to tell you, do you know why those beautiful, gorgeous churches were built in the first place? They were built because the poor never, ever see anything beautiful. They live in crummy, terrible, rotten conditions, horrible homes. And once a week, they got to go to a beautiful thing. And so the rich people were expected to take their money and make something beautiful for the poor so that they could see once a week what the rich people lived in every day of their life. Do you follow? That's why the beauty and the glory. And in that we honored God. You see, it's all turned upside down. We get it confused. So what do we hold back from God? What do we bring to God? What do we want? From God. Now the valley, cry the anchor, mount your horses, draw your sword, and they killed the mountain people, so they won their just reward. Now they stood beside the treasure on the mountain, dark and red, turned the stone and put to the movement. Peace on earth was all it said. Go ahead and hate your neighbor. Go ahead and cheat a friend. Do it in the name of heaven. You can justify it in the end. They call that a paradigm shift. The treasure is peace on earth. Jesus is making a shift. First, love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. Make it all about Jesus. And then we won't have to worry about the poor. They'll be taken care of easily. Matthew says, seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Wouldn't it be great to have all things? We had a president once who said, ask not what your country can do for you. Can you imagine that? Ask not what your country could do for you, but what you could do for your country. What a paradigm shift. Could you imagine how everything would change if we weren't saying to the government, gimme, 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 gimme. And if we weren't looking to God for what he can do for us, but what we could do for him. See, the Christian faith is about changing us, transforming us, making the shift with Jesus to realize what it's about. Paul said in chapter 4 that he knows, of Philippians, that he knows the secret of contentment. He's been poor, he's been rich. He knows the secret. He can do all things through Christ who strengthens him. Once we have God, everything shifts. And it all starts to make sense. Jesus is a teacher. He is a prophet. He is a, a miracle worker. He is our friend. But the real shift is when we make him our God. And everything in our life 
comes below him. Then you'll be content. Then you'll find the real treasures. Then God will give you everything you ever need. You'll be able to serve like Martha. You'll be able to give like Mary. You'll be able to see miracles like Lazarus. Because your heart will shift. There's a man named Matt Redman. He wrote a song. It's a song we're about to sing. And he wrote this song after he went through this uh, experience with his church. See, the church loved his music. He's a great songwriter, and he's a great singer. So everybody came to hear his music, you know? And he realized that was a problem. Now, I have people that say they don't go to church because it's boring, or they don't go to church because they don't like the music, or they, okay? But this was a church where people were coming for the music. And he decided they, they were coming for the wrong thing. And so, for three or four months, they didn't sing a song. No singing. He said, until we start to realize why we're here to sing to God, we're not going to sing anymore. We're just going to come and pray to God and worship God. And when we find God, then we'll sing again. At the end of that time period, he sat down and he wrote this song we're about to sing.
John the Baptist started this whole thing rolling when he said we needed to repent. That's what we need to do in life. We need to, we need to change. We need to make the shift. You can stand on either side to make any difference. <laughs> we need to become what God wants us to be instead of worrying about God making us what we want to be. And then we will become everything we ever dreamed and imagined we could. That's why we come to repent. We come to confess. And we come to be changed. Shall we pray together? Dear God in heaven, I have sinned. I made it all about me. I've been selfish. Self-centered. Worried about others. Filled with envy. Anger. And jealousy. Forgive me, Lord. Help me to shift. Help me to repent. And turn back to you. Help me to make it about you. That you can make my life what it should be. Forgive me, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And God's answer is that he's been waiting for this moment. Waiting for this moment to bring you back to the amazing blessings he wants to pour out. In the name of Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen.
And now, as forgiven children of God, let's greet our neighbors with the peace of the Spirit. What key do we do as the deer? Methodist Church, everyone who seeks after Christ is welcome to come to the table of the Lord. If you want God in your life, if you want to make God your God, you're welcome at the table here to come and be blessed by the Lord. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right. It's a good and a joyful thing, always and everywhere, to give thanks to God. Whether we're in the midst of the greatest treasures of life, or we're struggling to try and figure out our way, we know that God is with us in the shadowy valleys, and God is with us on the mountaintops. And so with all the people on earth and all the angels in heaven, we praise his name and join their unending hymn, saying, Holy, holy, holy Lord. God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you and 
Blessed is your son, Jesus Christ, who gave us miracles, who gave us hope, who gave us teaching, who gave us his love. But he didn't come for that. He came to change us and to save us. And so on the night in which he was betrayed by his own, he gave this gift of love. He took the bread. He gave thanks to God. And he broke the bread. He gave it to his disciples and he said, take and eat. This is my body which is broken for you and for many for the forgiveness of sin. Eat of this remembering me. When the supper was over, he took the cup. He gave thanks to God and he gave it to his disciples. He said, drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant. It's poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sin. Drink of this remembering me. And so, in remembrance of these mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Lord, as we are on the edge of Holy Week, As we approach the week of your crucifixion and resurrection, this most holy of weeks, help us to remember you. Help us not to get caught up too much in all the trappings and worries about life and about eggs and food and and forget you. Turn us around, Lord, and change our hearts that we might be transformed in your glory. And that we might be a true witness for those around us to come and experience your grace and wonder. Help us to feed the poor. Help us to take care of the sick. Help us to be a blessing in this world. For we ask this all in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And now as Jesus taught his disciples to pray, let us join together in saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now I'd like to invite those who are serving at the table to come forward at this time.
And now if you're able, I'm going to invite you to stand as we sing together. Take my life and let it be consecrated. Lisa's in Niagara Falls, and Pastor Sherry's in Ohio. Pastor Micah's in Florida. Pastor Bill is out in Royalton, and Pastor Bob is down in the Carolinas. So they asked, well, then who's going to do communion? I said, I think I can do that. Uh, <laughs> I think I can. I really do. I think I, think I can do it. <laughs> it's an amazing thing when you have abundance and a blessing, as we do, and pastors and leaders and wonderful people that we start to think that maybe we have to do everything or we can't do the things that God has made us to do. God has given you in abundance. This is a blessed group of people. And as God is giving you in abundance, it isn't so you can hold the treasure close, so you can spill the perfume on your head. Please don't. But it's so that we can spread it to the world and share the blessings that God gives to us. So go in his grace and his peace, and may the Lord bless you, and may the Lord make you a blessing wherever you go. In Jesus' name, amen.